Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection, and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Hi, everyone. I'm Mitch Goldich, and welcome back to another Friday edition of our MMQB Week in Review pod. I'm joined by the same group as last week. It's me, Jenny Ferentis, and Albert Breer. We are once again without Connor Orr, who was a, uh, a late last-minute cancellation, but uh, we won't hold it against him. That's fine. We still love Connor. But uh, Jenny and Albert, how are you guys doing? Great. How are you doing, Mitch? I'm good. All good here. <laughs> Everyone's just hanging in. We're, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's about as good as we can ask for, for, uh, for much of the summer that we've been doing this podcast. If you're here for the first time, this is our weekend review. We, well, we start by just kind of talking about what we've been up to and what's keeping us busy during this uh, unusual summer. But the main point of the podcast is to talk about some of the things that we've been writing and some of our new stories that are up at the MMQB and go in, dive in a little bit more in depth. So we will do some of that for sure later in this episode. But why don't we start how we always do and just talk about what we've been up to. So I don't know if, uh, Albert, do you want to go first? What, what have you been up to this week? Yeah, sure. I, I uh, uh, This is like, it sounds like a little thing, but it really is a big thing. So, you know, when we bought our house, like, it has this, like, really big basement that was meant to be finished. And it took us five years to get to the point where we were like, okay, like, we're going to do it. And it's a big project, you know, so... Uh, this week, the insulation went up, which doesn't sound like a huge deal, but that's when you can actually see what the different rooms and the area of the basement is going to look like. And so, you know, I've been sort of dodging like sawing sounds and banging sounds and all that different stuff coming from the basement with everything I do with work because we're all working from home now. 
And so, uh, yeah, it was kind of nice to actually see things start to take shape. And my kids are really excited about it. So, um, so yeah, like I guess that would be sort of the big breakthrough of the week would be that the installation went up in the basement. Yeah, I don't know why you undersold it and said it might not be. That's, that sounds like a big thing to me, yeah. especially, like you said, everyone's spending so much time at home and you and your family trying to uh, have your own space while you're trying to get work done and stuff like that. That sounds like like major news to, uh, when, yeah. you're, when you'll eventually be at the point you can uh, work in the basement. or uh, That's where it is, too. But yeah. you hit it right there. Is that like <laughs> my, my, my office is going down there, so... Like I have like the the room's gonna be soundproofed, which is like I'm I'm really excited about that. Like in that like every time I you know when we shoot like the SI videos or some or whatever here, like there are some stops and starts for me because like my office you just sound carries right into it. So if the dog's barking or if you know one of the kids is you know like kids crying or whatever, all of it comes right through. So it being soundproofed is actually gonna be pretty big for me too. Jenny, how about you? What have you been up to this week? Well, I ha- went on a run of not watching TV for a while, but I have really dived back into Netflix recently. Um, people know that on, from the Weekside podcast <laughs> that Connor and I have been watching on Lifetime, Married at First Sight, but I've also been watching some Netflix originals. Um, one of them was Indian Matchmaking, which has... Uh, sparked quite a debate about um, the way that the characters were presented and um, different conversations have stemmed out of that but it's a very interesting show I flew through all eight episodes I think and uh, our colleague Rohan Nankarni his aunt and uncle make a cameo at the end as one of the long married couples wow Wow. I didn't know that that's awesome pretty cool Uh, so is it a dating show like what is it's a matchmaker, so she works with clients. She lives in India, but she has so she has some clients in India. But then she's also coming to the United States um, and working with clients here as well. So it's basically snapshots of different couples. The sad news is that there was a zero percent success rate for the people who were faced on the show or featured on the show. Excuse me. Wow. That just tees up season two. Gets people right. excited. You <laughs> want to right. lower expectations, and then and then it'll be even more powerful. I, yeah. yeah, I was I was gonna ask the same thing. Just, I mean, you can get a sense from the title, obviously, but the gist of the show, the format, and everything. Like how how long do these people spend together? You know, give us some of the details here on, on yeah. how it works. So it kind of like hops between characters and some people's stories kind of like abruptly ended. And then you kind of had to look up what had happened to all of the couples after the show ended. So I think it depends. There are a couple different scenarios. Um, Some you see a couple dates and then you wonder what happened. One made it all the way to the engagement process, but then didn't go through with the wedding. Um, But the timeline is a little bit faster because if you're working with the matchmaker, you're not just looking for someone to date, you're looking for someone to marry. So once you agree that this is a person you would want to marry, the timeline in theory would be sped up. But a lot of the people featured, as I said, didn't even get to that point, and then no one went through with it, so. Hmm, just like the, uh, what was the name of the show at the beginning of quarantine that was huge on Netflix, where they're in the pods? No, not Tiger King, they're in the pods and they, which what what was that? This show is oh, Love is Blind. That Love was it. That was that was a, that was a, a very different show, obviously, but uh, similar. I don't think any of them. Made, no, there was one couple what, that made it. Netflix Netflix has really like sort of brought the heat during the quarantine. Like they mm-hmm. like the Unsolved Mysteries reboot. I actually at first it was a little slow to catch on, like to to really like 
like I, I thought at first I was a little disappointing, but then I finally like I started to get into it a little bit more. And then I don't know if you guys have watched. Well, I just started. I think it's called NYC versus the Mafia. Is that like, like I don't know if you guys have seen it, but it was right up on my main screen when I turned it on the other day. So I just gave it a shot, and it's wow, about how no. like the, it's about how like the mob ran New York City in the seventies, and how like these FBI informants wound up like breaking the whole thing up, and it's like the five crime families and all of that. So. Well, I can tell you, I have fallen behind on TV because what I have been busy with all week is just watching a ton of basketball. Uh, there is, you know, obviously a lot of people are conflicted about sports coming back and what does it look like and should they be there. But I think it's very positive. People seem fine with this NBA bubble. And obviously they're doing a great job with it. The fact that people aren't testing positive. And I know there are all kinds of ethical issues and things about like, you know, if you played an entire season in a bubble and people think it's okay for basketball and hockey because it's just the the very end of the season and the playoffs and everything but the the bubble has been so entertaining and for me as a huge Sixers fan and they're a team that people were really excited about coming into the playoffs uh just like having that back in my life where I know a few times a week there's going to be a big Sixers game on and even just checking out all the other teams and some of those big games it has been very nice uh you know I some think of the, the presentation's been yeah. awesome too I was really surprised <laughs> I thought like I, I was sort of like I, I felt like it would be like watching an AAU tournament or something, right? Like, and I think baseball is sort of like that. Like, where baseball doesn't feel like doesn't just doesn't like really feel like close to the real product. But I, I feel like I think hockey is pretty close. I think basketball is really close to like being as good as what the normal product would be. Not the same, like it's different, but it's like pretty close. Like I think they've done a really really nice job of dressing it up. On basketball, it feels like summer league, which is appropriate for this time of year. And I, I love watching the summer league games on TV, especially, again, as a Sixers fan, they went through that period where the, the pro team was awful. And so watching the summer league guys uh, every year right after the draft was always exciting. So, yeah, they've done a great job with it. The broadcasters, the like the wall of virtual fans definitely makes it a, a better experience than just empty seats, uh, you know, a totally empty gym. So I'm, I'm with you. It's looked really good. And, and it's if just, you told me, yeah. if you told me like the, about the virtual, like, I don't think I really even knew about the virtual fans before, but if you had told me beforehand about that, I would have been like, that's going to be a total train wreck. And it hasn't been at all. Yeah. I'm, I'm all in on the NBA restarts. I mean, I've been watching a ton of baseball too. It's good to have sports back. I know people, uh, big soccer fans are saying, you know, don't say that sports are back. Sports have been back, but, uh, I, I am not a big soccer watcher. Uh, so the sports that I watch are back and it's been very, very nice. And so that's, what's been keeping me busy this week. All right, let's roll in and talk about our stories. Albert, you, uh, wrote a bunch of things this week as always, and asked you what you wanted to talk about. One thing that you uh, mentioned that you've you've put in a couple of your columns this week, the issue of college players who are opting out from the season, and you've been talking about the decision and also giving us scouting reports on some of the bigger names of guys who've done it. So do you want to just uh, walk us through, introduce? Yeah, I mean, I just think it's fascinating. Well, first of all, like the, the kids that have come out so far are, are really, really, really well, like highly regarded guys. And so... You know, some of the teams I've talked to are like they're sort of waiting for like the kid who shouldn't like who, and I shouldn't say shouldn't because these are such deeply personal decisions. But like the kid who maybe comes out thinking he's like a first or second round pick who's actually not. Um, you know, so like I know there's some concern that that's going to happen at some point. But the kids who've come out declared so far: uh, Caleb Fairley from Virginia Tech, Micah Parsons from Penn State, and uh, and Rashad Bateman from Minnesota. All three of those kids are probably top half of the first round. Um, types of guys 
who you can certainly understand the risk reward ratio there. Um, I just think it's interesting because they each have their own reasons, you know, and, uh, you know, Caleb Farley, I thought like, to me, it was just sort of, it's like the mess of college sports right now. Like where, you know, I talked to like Lincoln Riley over the weekend and he mentioned how they didn't go back until a month after they were allowed to, and everybody's got to wear masks everywhere. And he's relying on his doctors you know, and then on the flip side of it, you got Caleb Farley coming out and saying, oh, it was the Wild West at Virginia Tech. And so it's sort of interesting to hear how this is being handled in a very different way from school to school. And it's sort of, I think, I think it colors the amount of work that the NFL put in in the whatever it was, five, six weeks ahead of training camp and making sure that they had uniform rules because that would probably be what it would look like if they didn't. You know, like where it'd be if this was these were team by team decisions on setting policies. I mean, man, like you can you imagine what that would be like from one team to the next? It'd probably be completely different from you know, say, like, and I don't know, I don't want to like throw anybody under the bus here, but from one team to the next. And that's yeah. the pa- power of having the players' union because you have a body that's representing mm-hmm. your rights as workers, which is where college athletes are just in a very difficult spot. You know, they're. They're coming together, which has been really admirable and awesome to see groups of players and conferences come together and take a stand. But um, th- that's not like a you know prescripted part of the way things work. It's not just baked into it. They have to go out of their way, make that happen. It's an additional task to take on, and so I think that yeah, certainly the calculation for college players is a, a lot more difficult now, and no matter what sport or what level you're playing, I, I'm still just going to be a little bit uncomfortable with the fact that like the decisions are different for different people. Right. And there's probably a lot of players, whether it's in the NFL or especially in college who feel like they can't opt out for whatever reason. Mm. And um, so it's great to see players making that choice and feeling like they have the ability to make the choice. At the same time, I think of other people who feel for whatever reason um, that they can't opt out, even though they might not feel a hundred percent safe. Yeah. I mean, it's probably reflective of America too, right? Like that, like I would say like in a lot of different workplaces, it's probably like that where people who are higher in the food chain, uh, more established are probably more free to take the precautions as they see fit versus somebody lower in the food chain who feels like if I stay away from the office for the next two months, there may not be a job for me when I come back, you know? And I think that that's probably for like at the college level, certainly I think in the pros too, like there's probably a lot of that going on and we're taping, we should be clear, right? Like we're taping this just ahead of the deadline. So we don't have all the opt outs right now. Um, but certainly Jenny, I mean like Tredavious, what was interesting seeing Tredavious white say what he said. Mm-hmm. Um, and he revealed some personal stuff on Twitter this morning. And I thought that was interesting because it's, it's great that he felt free to do that. Um, it's awesome that he's, you know, empowered to use his voice. It's also important to remember that he's like top five in the league at his position. So part of the reason that he can do that and part of the reason that he is like probably freed more than the next guy would be to make a decision like that is because of the sort of player he is. Yeah. And then on the flip side, he gets more criticism because of that, right? And I think that's really the ugly side of fandom that we're seeing. That's what he referenced in his post, right? Getting a lot of hateful comments for his decision. Um, And um, yeah. It's good that he used that though, like, right? Like, Jay, like you think about that, like, 
like because how many guys are getting those sorts of comments and right. he's got the power to push back so right. when he says it maybe it kind of illuminates because he's got the leverage to say something like that maybe it illuminates the situation that everybody's in and people are going to listen to him because he is a bigger name yeah that's true on and we talked uh just before we started the podcast started recording about quarterbacks having these decisions and you want to talk about the best or the most important yeah. players but you know everybody is facing different decisions for all kinds of reasons and you know albert you said something about uh, someone who opts out uh, and it's a bad idea. And then you clarified your stance, you know, anyone can opt out, you know, and they all have their own personal decisions to make. But it's true that, you know, you also just have the calculus of being a college player who might decide, you know, I don't want to play a season like this. I'm ready for the pros. We see it on a much smaller scale when guys sit out bowl games and, you know, that argument's been going on for decades where they say, oh, that's selfish. Why can't you be there for your teammates? And, you know, enough high-profile guys, Christian McCaffrey, Leonard Fournette, whoever else, have, have said, you know, mm-hmm. this, shut up. Like, that's ridiculous. I can yeah. make my own personal decision. And we're seeing that on a, on a bigger scale with guys who might sit out an entire season. And people are just weighing so many different factors. You know, if you are the quarterback or the team captain or, you know, a first-round NFL pick, yeah. It might be tough and people are balancing decisions for their team and their teammates and for themselves and their family and for their future financial interests. And there are just it's, all kinds. And we also, we don't even know the if there's going to be a college season. Yeah, I mean, the quarterback thing is like, like you said, like I, I had Brady Quinn on, on my podcast earlier in the week and he talked about that and like his own decision to leave, to, to stay at Notre Dame for his senior year. And I asked him about like, so, you know, if you're Trevor Lawrence at Clemson or you're Justin Fields at Ohio State or you're even like Trey Lance at North Dakota State, which is a very, very successful FCS program, like it's 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 hard to separate your own personal decision from everyone else because that position is just a different dynamic. You know what I mean? Like and you wonder if an NFL quarterback, you know, based on like the length of career, the fact that everybody's relying on you. Like I just, it's that that's that's interesting to me because it's just like, like to some degree, those guys feel a responsibility to everybody around them, and so maybe they're not as free to make that decision. You know, like Patrick Mahomes or Russell Wilson or Lamar Jackson or Tom Brady, whoever it is. Like these guys all have the leverage that I talked about. But then the flip side of that, if you're a quarterback, is if I walk away from here. I'm affecting a ton of people and maybe even affecting people's livelihoods. Yeah. And it's tough just imagining anyone being in that spot where, you know, this is a decision you make for yourself and your family, but feeling that sense of obligation to other people, there are just so many tough factors. Um, And then just along the lines of what Jenny was saying, you know, the other thing that's interesting to me is how the pandemic seems to be speeding up a lot of things. Like there were all these, conversations in college football about compensating the players and Mm -hmm. players having more of a voice and a collective and some of them, you know, talking about unionizing over the years and things like that. And it just feels like there are so many trends and issues in college football and the pandemic is showing everyone how important they are. It's sort of just like speeding up all kinds of issues where things that people already knew were there below the surface. It's just a bigger magnifying glass on all kinds of issues with the whole structure of the NCAA and and everything these players are going through. It's a reckoning. Yeah, the difficult economic time and different, um, you know, different issues in every facet of our society, right? I think it really shines a light on the inequalities that exist in the system. And that's why, you know, I think you're you're seeing that a lot with different people's rights and um, pushing for a more equal society, which we do not have. 
it'll be interesting to see what happens because it does feel like the ball was rolling on that, like with the name, image, and likeness thing in the NCAA. Um, it'll be interesting to see kind of where this goes now, especially if like big chunks of the college season are gone. And now all of a sudden you've got like, you know, like an economic reckoning to go along with everything else. So Albert, you talk all the time to scouts and evaluators and personnel people. I mean, do you, what kind of impact is there going to be if there's no season or just if certain mm-hmm. high profile guys opt out is that, you know, I think it's kind of an outdated notion that they'd yeah. be dinged as character red flags. I, I would like to think that's not going to no. happen at all, but I, uh, <laughs> just the difficulty of scouting these guys. I mean, wh- what's it like if there's no season or half a season or certain guys just don't play. Right. So like kind of to study this, I, I, um, you know, cause I, I've, I've asked that question a lot the last few weeks of people I've, I, I talked to, um, you know, I think the best thing to do is sort of look back at last year's draft. And if you look at the top 10, really there was only one guy in the top 10 who you wouldn't have said that guy is going to go really high next year. And that would have been the number one pick. Joe Burrow was probably the only one that we didn't know. This guy is going to be a very, very high pick. Chase Young, Jeff Okuda, Andrew Thomas, Tua Tungavaloa, Justin Herbert, Derek Brown, Isaiah Simmons. Uh, C.J. Henderson, we knew all of those guys were going to be very high draft picks. And so I think the guy, the guys that affects are probably the guys further down the line, you know, and, uh, you know, so you have it's it's obviously going to affect the guys who have been at the big programs who have been waiting behind other other people, you know, like that maybe may have been in line to start and could be really good, but people just don't know it. So it affects them, obviously, you know, but then I, I think when you get further down the line, it's going to make. I don't think it's going to be as hard to it's not going to be as hard it, it, it's not gonna make it that much harder when you're when you're looking at the elite of the elite um but once you get past like the second round i think it's going to make things a lot more difficult on scouts because the tape's over a year old and some of the guys you're going to be scouting might not have as much playing time you might have guys leaving or leaving school that you know that that you, that you didn't expect to leave school you might have you know, seniors who didn't play as much but were in line to be starters. You know, there's just so many different factors that I think will come into play. So I don't know that it has as as much of an effect on, like, the brand names that we'll be talking about in March and April. But the guys down the line, I think, certainly is going to make things a lot cloudier as far as, you know, the NFL finding a way to get a clean evaluation on all of them. Yeah, sounds similar to the effect of canceling the preseason this year where it affects guys at the yep. bottom of the roster and guys who really depend yep. on those opportunities and, and ways to be seen. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. 
Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at The Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day savings event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs. Yeah, like check out these hair plugs. I mean, don't just walk around, hey, tapping, hey, <laughs> hey, stranger, I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? try to act like they, uh, you know what I mean. Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot? Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or, like, put a sign in your yard, but... All right, so what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Speaking of the schedule for this season, Mitch, you wrote mm. a story today. That's a good transition right there. <laughs> that was pretty good, right? I was just lying in wait. Um, you wrote a story today about how the NFL could reimagine its schedule, basically making the point that rather than scrambling at the last minute, essentially settle for a, uh, a schedule that's modified, less games, but would still allow football to be played in 2020. I'm here to save the season. <laughs> I did right. it. Um, no, the, I mean, the idea for the story came out of watching what a disaster MLB has been since it came back, where they put together a schedule and said, okay, we're going to play 60 games in 66 days. And then you've had teams with positive tests and they get shut down for a whole week. And just You seeing, posted the NLE standings that were really funky at once, too. <laughs> yeah, where right. teams have played three games and other teams have played 10 games. It was just <laughs> and it's sorted by winning percentage instead of games behind. It's just such a mess. 
And in baseball, it, you know, that will even itself out a little bit as they play doubleheaders and more teams have games canceled and what have you. But in football, it's just hard to imagine what they would do if you get to the end of the season and say the NFC East, one team is four and four and another team is, uh, you know, seven and seven and who knows what to do then. So, you know, looking at all of their issues, I just said, you know, why, if you're the NFL I, I get it. The reason is to make money and have a full season. And they've all off season. They've said we're confident, and they've uh, you know projected themselves uh, as if everything's going to go on as normal, even though we all know it's much more fraught than that. So just the idea of you know take a step back and instead of going into a season like baseball is, just admit, hey, this is tough. Let's make some modifications. So my the main point I made was chopping every team's schedule in half and having them play eight games each and having them all two weeks apart. And that just makes it a lot easier with the the testing and even just two weeks being in line with the quarantine period. So if a guy has a positive test, they're only going to miss one game instead of it popping up right before a game and possibly missing two games and having all kinds of issues. It's less travel for all the teams. And then the way I built the schedule, I have the AFC and NFC alternating weeks so that you're still getting eight games every week and you're playing mostly division games, expanding the playoffs out. Um, and then one of the other things that I did was I put all the games at night. And I forget if we talked about it on this podcast, but um, Mike Florio reported that teams were actually thinking about flying on game day to avoid mm-hmm. hotels. And obviously you can't do that for a one o'clock kick. It uh, would be really tough on the players and it's mathematically impossible in a lot of places. Um, but if you put all the games at night, then theoretically teams could travel on game day a lot easier, especially with the way I've reimagined and teams are playing most of their games against uh, teams geographically close to them. Um, and, but it works even if you don't want to uh, travel, even if you still want to travel the day before instead of game day, it still lets you put everything in prime time. And so this actually could help. This could make a lot of money for the TV networks. They would hate losing their Sunday slots, but I chopped the season from 256 games to 128 and then put all 128 games in prime time. And if you're imagining a world where literally every Chiefs game, every Patriots game, Cowboys, Steelers, Packers, all the popular teams, if they're all in solo TV windows, they're going to get huge ratings. And I said in the story like 90 out of the top 100 shows this year would be live football games. And so you're losing a lot of revenue by chopping the season in half, but you're making the season a little safer and you're still putting games on TV. And, you know, if you make the assumption that teams are going to lose money anyway because the stadiums are empty and there aren't fans and all the leagues are losing money for various reasons on all kinds of things, this just feels like it's, it's a huge uh, step to, to do this and make this decision before you absolutely have to. But I think that if they did take a step back and said, okay, let's do this, it feels like a much easier schedule to actually finish. Like the goal is once you start the season, you'd be able to actually get to the end of the year. You also made use of the built-in window at the end of the season to push the Super Bowl back a couple of weeks to allow for there to be not only bye weeks during the playoffs, but then a double bye before the Super Bowl. Yeah, and part of that was just building in so that the playoff schedule looks just like the regular season where you've got two games, two, uh, two weeks in between games. So if a guy has a positive test right before wild card week, and you have to hold them out or you have to hold out a whole position group or a larger number of players, at least they're back for the divisional round if you advance. And then, yeah, because Albert has reported before that they are able to move the Super Bowl back as far as February 28th, which Mm -hmm. is three weeks after it is now. 
So you, with my timeline, you could play it on February 21st, but if you're already going all this trouble, you might as well just put that extra week in there, and then you could even do a Super Bowl bubble if they're still insisted on having it in Tampa, which is supposed to be the site. You could have everyone get down there 17 days early and have them all uh, you know, tested and quarantined and safe, and then hopefully you'd have no positive tests going into the Super Bowl. This sounds it's super entertaining. Yeah, it's <laughs> I mean, an interesting idea. I mean, obviously, like you said, the loss of revenue from slashing the schedule is what the NFL is trying to avoid. But you're basically saying this season isn't going to be normal anyway. And here is a safer way to be able to go through with the season. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, like, I think like the mistake that I don't know, I, I like I'm, I'm like I, my personal opinion is that it's a mistake for any of these leagues to think that this year is going to be regarded as normal. And I, I don't think I don't think we're going to look at whoever wins the NBA title, whoever wins the World Series, whoever wins the NHL title, whoever wins the like it's going to be looked at like the 1987 strike year, probably. Right. So, I mean, I do think like the 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 cool the cool thing about it, like what you did, Mitch, is it's just sort of like it frees you from like the it frees you from like the shackles of thinking that it has to be a certain way and it like gives you a chance to toy with it a little bit and play with it a little bit like i think that the nhl system like with the playing round and like playing for like i think what the nhl's done with what's left of its season is really cool and different and it's just a chance to try something you know try something new and see if it works and maybe it maybe it's a mess but at the end i think we all know that this is going to be regarded differently and so I'm with you in that, like, this is an opportunity for all of these leagues, right? Because I think we all know that we're not going to look at this the same when it's all said and done. It's an opportunity for all of these leagues to sort of toy with different ideas and do fun stuff like you proposed. And I will say, you mentioned 1987. I was born in 1987. <laughs> there are a lot of people like me who they yeah. scroll down the list of Super Bowl champions and they don't know that anything's different. And I right. would say... Uh, I was too young for 82. 82 was even worse. (laughs) So 87, I was seven years old. So I can, I was just starting to watch football. 82, I guess, was a nine game. If you look back, I think it was, I think they only played, because 87, they played 15 games, but some of them were with replacements. 82, I believe, if you look it up, was like a nine game season, and they abolished the divisions for that year. And, and so my point is, if the playoffs are as normal as possible, then that to me makes it easiest to look at it and say it was a normal enough season that we feel okay with crowning a Super Bowl champion. Like when the NBA was still figuring out what their plan would be, people were proposing, oh, get rid of the conferences and reseed and do all this weird stuff. And it was kind of like, you know, that to me makes it less like a real NBA champion if you're, you know, if you're totally changing the path that they take to get there. But this season, yeah, the whole regular season would be very different, but at least we're still getting, you know, an AFC championship game and the NFC divisional round and the the structure is the same. So, you know, if we acknowledge that there are risks and we might lose a chunk of the season anyway, we all talked about this when they revealed the schedule, like let's build in collapsible weeks. And if we have to take them away, they're built Mm -hmm. in. You know, if you already admit that the regular season could be messed up, this just feels like a way to, uh, to mess it up yourself in a reasonable way that you can control uh, and you still preserve this playoff format and, and be able to complete the season just at a slower pace. Yeah, I don't think shortening the season, in my view, would diminish the meaning of a champion. You're still going through a rigorous process and, like you said, a, a playoff process that is pretty normal in, in the plan that you laid out, at least. And I don't know. I, I think that we're just all kind of fi- figuring out new ways to do things. And so if there is some kind of season played and there's a Super Bowl champion at the end, like I don't think that 
should be treated any differently. I think yeah. it will be though. I think I just think like I don't know. I just think everybody's. Like, I just it's. I, like, I, and I know I'm not the first person to say this, but I, like, if the Lakers win the like NBA title, like, this is like the viability of LeBron's fourth championship is going to be discussed on like first take in two, 2030 with Stephen A. at 60 years old or whatever. Yeah, you know but what if I mean? it's not the Lakers, then it won't be discussed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I've heard people say that that Good it kind too. of it kind of depends on which team it is and how weird it is. Yeah, like, if you look exactly. at yeah. if you look at previous lockout seasons in the NBA. The Spurs with Tim Duncan won one of them, I think, 99. And then the most recent lockout, the Heat won with LeBron. And then they both won titles again. It's like if if the Chiefs win, everyone's going to say, oh, okay, that makes sense. The Chiefs probably would have won anyway. Or, yeah. you know, if it's some other high-profile team like that or a team but that's won fluky. recently. Right, if it's, yeah. some, if it's really, you know, if the Chargers win, people are going to look at it that way. If, it, if a team that has, even a team like the Saints who've been close the last three years, you know, I think they would that people would count that as legitimate, and it wouldn't be weird. Uh, so That's a, a lot good of it. Point. That, that, like, like if if like, I don't know if like the Colts snuck up or the uh, like the Bears snuck up and won the whole thing with Nick Foles. Like then there'd probably be a little bit of like like there'd probably be some arched eyebrows at that at that twenty twenty championship. Yeah, but even if it's a team like the Ravens who right. were awesome in the regular season, but they like, yeah. yeah they lost in the playoffs the last two years, but they're still everyone knows they're good enough. And if they go through a regular, even if the regular season is shortened, but if they go through a regular normal enough playoffs, I think people would say, okay, yeah, the, you know, it was their turn, just like the Chiefs lost the year before and then came back and won. The is Super that confirmation Bowl. bias? It is right. Probably right. Like <laughs> I think that that's the right use of that term. I think that's. Con- I think that would be confirmation bias. Yeah, like this is the outcome that it would have been anyway. Right. Essentially. Yeah. 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 So anyway, uh, it's actually it's been nice. The response I was expecting a lot more anger at me on Twitter today from uh, the same types of people who uh, think it's a sign of weakness to uh, <laughs> uh, preach caution and wear masks and things like that. And I thought. Uh, I'd get a lot more. Why do you hate football? Why are you rooting for the league to fail? But some some people actually like people on Reddit seem to like the idea. So that was encouraging. It, I I will reiterate this will never in a million years happen until it unless it's the day before the season and they truly had to and by then it might be too late, which was mm-hmm. part of the reason I wrote it in the first place. But uh, it was nice. I, I thought I was going to get a lot more hate today than I did. So that's always a plus. Well, a plus from humanity today. Then <laughs> yeah, good job everybody, <laughs> and keep wearing your masks. And I'm not. Uh, I am rooting for football. Um, all right. <laughs> On those notes, should we do our uh, one good thing from the week, which is how we always uh, send us off here? Either of you Sounds have one good. Uh, ready to sure. go? I um, tried a new sparkling water flavor, and I have to say it was delicious. So that was my good thing of the week. I had not seen the LaCroix Pastique. It's the watermelon flavor in stores, and I figured, well, I've had Wegmans watermelon flavor. How different could it be? But I, you know, was having not so great day and I passed the store and they had it and I figured, okay, this will be my treat for the week. And I have to say, the LaCroix Pastique is the best watermelon flavored seltzer I've had because there's a little tartness to it. A little bit of like, I don't know if it's like a lime, but it's not quite as sweet as other watermelons. There's like a little bit of a tart finish. So that was really my like, you know, bright spot and a week that's kind of been tough in a lot of ways, a lot of sad news worldwide, a lot of, you know, 
um, depressing headlines. So sometimes the sparkling water can be a nice little bright spot in the day. Yeah, I got mine here. I'm a polar man. I, polar. Uh, oh, that's a good flavor yeah. you have there. That's a uh, that's the tart cherry limeade. This is Emily's yeah. favorite. So I like that. Very one very good. And dealing with the storm here too. Uh, speaking of negative headlines and a tough week and everything, I, I will actually say this. I, I don't think well, this. One is of you guys my... lost power. You both lost power, right? <laughs> Neither <laughs> of us lost power. <laughs> okay, right? That is true. Yeah, yeah if, if we had lost power, it would have been tough to pull off uh, this podcast. Although, yeah. like, I don't know, we would have been out in the parking lot recording it in person. That's true. That's true. We could have gone out back. Yeah. Um, I actually, I have been, uh, we've become a big White Claw household here, and uh, the supermarket across the street from me frequently has mango and black cherry, and they recently had the new variety pack, which they haven't had in like months, and that happens to have the watermelon in it. And so that was also a very exciting moment. Oh, I forgot about this. Jenny has never had a White Claw before, is that right? Oh, since we discussed this, I've had one. I had the... I had the mango flavor. Okay, so mango is very good. The watermelon is good, but that is harder to find. And they actually okay. had it, so I saw it, and I was like, it was very exciting to be able to bring wow. that home. A what mango, are the odds? Watermelon and tangerine. So both of us this week with our watermelon. Those things oh, go down. Watermelon too, takes. That's those crazy. things go down way too easy. Like those. Yeah. Like, I, I don't. Yes. Yeah, they go. To, they go down way too easy. Well, anyway, big, big watermelon seltzer. Maybe I'll make that my, my one good thing. That and, and people not screaming at me on the internet, uh, which was a surprise. <laughs> I've, I've got two, two good things. Albert, how about you? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I'll incorporate my kids again. I, uh, so we have two birthdays coming up. Uh, my, my son's birthday, my, our, our middle, uh, middle child's birthday, uh, Drew, he turns four on the 9th, which is Sunday. And then... Our daughter, Ginny, uh, who's our youngest, turns one a week from Saturday. And so we went to, uh, you know, my kids, it's, it's weird because, you know, like when you're a kid, like, and I don't know if you guys live close to like a Toys R Us, but like when I was a kid, it was like, that was, you know, what you asked your parents, can we go to Toys R Us? Can we go to Toys R Us? Can we go to Toys R Us? Well, now because Toys R Us doesn't exist anymore, believe it or not, it's been replaced by Target. So like my kids, <laughs> so my kids are always bugging me. Can we go to Target? Can we go to Target? Can we go to Target? And um, so, you know, we said, because they'd been good for a few days, we took the boys out. I took, I took the boys, just me with, with the two of them, up to, out to Target. And um, they decided on the way that they wanted to pick out Ginny a birthday present. So Aww. we went and, yeah, so we went and we, we, I had them pick out like a Lego for Ginny, which I brought home. And then Emily, referred, Emily said to me that, uh, that we had to get something else. But it was good to go through the exercise <laughs> of like... <laughs> It wasn't. It may not have been like quite age appropriate. So we, uh, but we, we, we wound up. I just thought it was. It was great watching them go through the exercise of picking something out for their sister, and they were so excited about it and everything else. And so, uh, so yeah, that'd be my one good thing is seeing them get to pick that out. And by the way, Jenny, when I was there, and I'll send you a picture. I took a picture of them. I did see the adult Legos, which I hadn't seen before. In a oh, store. good. And so there was like they had New York, they had Vegas, they had San Francisco. Oh wow! I think they had like a oh the, the 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 really expensive one though. There was one that was like eighteen plus, and I think it was like the I want to say it was like the Empire State Building because you know they have the ages on there. Yeah, I, I have it here. Hang on, I, I 
18 guys, plus is a weird age cutoff. <laughs> I, yeah. unless, unless it's like R-rated, <laughs> you would think if you're, <laughs> you, would th- you would think that if you're, you know, 13, you're old enough to handle the Legos that an 18 year old's gonna yeah, handle. Yeah, you know what, Mitch? That's a very good point. But anyway, <laughs> maybe yeah, it was like, the Vegas one. The Vegas oh, one. Okay, so here I have I don't know them where here. this is going. So, all right, yeah. So the, all right, so the Vegas we may, one. We is, may have to post these the on Vegas MMQB one is Instagram plus. and censor it. The Vegas okay, one's 12, 12 plus, plus for Vegas. That looks good. All that right, looks so. Fun. There you have New York. I think this is the one you showed us, Jenny. New York, okay. San Francisco. Skyline. Well, That's the one I have. Yep. Okay. And then there's San Francisco again. There's Paris. Paris is 12, up, 12 plus. Oh, did I not take a picture of it? Oh, here it is. No, this is 16 plus. I'm sorry. 16 plus. Okay. 16 plus. The Statue of Liberty. Oh, Statue of Liberty. Okay. Yeah. So that one looks Liberty. pretty complicated. So yeah. The Must Statue be of able to drive a car <laughs> to be able to put together the Statue of Liberty Legos. 1,685 pieces. How about oh, that? Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a lot. So 119 bucks. I'm looking at the price. Oh, here. my gosh. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> It That's be, why it must be a pretty large structure then. Yeah, and then the next picture is like my masked up, uh, my masked up oh. son. Yeah. There we go. That's nice. That's an awesome story. I love that about buying the yeah. birthday present for their sister. That's you gave us a nice, uh, heartwarming ending for that this podcast. Good. Very good. Yeah. Uh, ha- happy birthday to Jenny and happy birthday. Yeah. Well, happy birthday to Drew this yeah. week. Happy birthday to Jenny next week. Awesome. Um, although before we get out of here, I said a heartwarming ending. I do have one final note that I wanted to say for the very end of the podcast for only our real diehard listeners. Last week, you two challenged me to come up with my octopus watch list for 2020. Oh, here we go. Oh, just no, I can't. I'm going to reveal it on eight eight, but I okay. have the list. I have oh, eight players. Oh, eight eight. I like that. I, we talked very about exciting. Deshaun very Watson solid. and Alvin Kamara. I took them off. My list is instead eight guys who've never had an octopus before oh, who are threats to get their first that's one a nice this year. Twi- that's a nice octopus. twist. I like okay. that. So we already know who number one is because we talked about him last week. We did. Week. Mm-hmm. But two, two quarterbacks, two running backs, two wide receivers, two tight ends. People can follow me on Twitter. There's the tease if you want to see the, the octopus watch okay. list. It's it's coming on 8-8. I don't know what time because I can't do 8-88. But at some point during the day, I will tweet the octopus watch 808 list. 8-08 maybe? 808. Yeah, it does. It's so simple. Why didn't, I, why didn't I think of that? That's that's why you're here, Jenny. Thank you very much. Just so, here to help. The, the Just here Saturday, to help. right? 808. Uh, right. 808 on Saturday morning. Turn on, you can find. Turn on your uh, turn on your your mobile alerts for my tweets, and you'll get it. All right. Thanks everybody for listening to another. We never know what's going to happen on this podcast, the MMQB Week in Review. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks Jenny and Albert for joining. You can subscribe to the MMQB NFL podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, everywhere you listen to podcasts. You'll get all of our shows five days a week, including Albert's podcast and Connor and Jenny on the Weekside Pod. Hoping that Connor will be back here next week. But again, never know what's going to happen. We are the unpredictable podcast on the feed. Uh, But thanks, everyone, for checking it out already. And we will talk to you again next week. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.
With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Work.